Hello, this is Josh Becker, the CEO of Lex Machina. I want to welcome you all to the fifth in our series um, it, well, webcast around the future of law. This one about maximizing value from your legal analytics investment. Analytics is a hot topic right now, lots of buzz. Every day there's a new article about analytics or AI and the law. But what really is the value and what are the use cases? Today we're going to talk about how successful attorneys use legal analytics to win more cases, land more clients, and what are they doing to maximize the value that they get from legal analytics. So today we're very fortunate to have three uh, outstanding panelists. First, Ron Cahill. Ron is chair of the IP and patent litigation practice group at Nutter McLennan in Boston. Ron works with clients of all sizes to solve their IP problems. His experiences range from designing IP protection that maximizes the value of the client's investments in R&D to asserting that intellectual property in court and in the marketplace so that his clients can realize the value. Also joined by John Cook. John is a partner at Barclay Damon in, in Syracuse, New York, where he focuses on complex commercial litigation and IP litigation. He has represented clients in patent and trademark infringement cases and a variety of commercial litigation matters, including breach of contract, employment discrimination, environmental, real estate, trust and estates, and other matters. He has a JD from the Villanova University School of Law, where my dad taught for 40 years, so big fan. Uh, and uh, uh, last but not least, Sona Hamilton. Sona is a customer success manager at Lex Machina, so she manages the West Coast and works with customers out on the West Coast, over nine years of experience consulting and selling to law firms and Fortune 500 companies. Her mission is to ensure Lex Machina puts customers first and that goals, objectives, and initiatives are aligned with customer needs. And Sona has a master's in public policy from University of Michigan. Thank you all for joining. What I'd like to do is just dive right in, um, starting with Ron and John, and really just have a conversation about you know, how they use uh, these analytics tools and legal analytics specifically, and how they think about the value that they get. So Ron, perhaps you can start us off. Sure, uh, Josh. One of, my, um, one of my favorite uses for Lex Machina is, um, you know, I spend most of my time in federal court litigating patent disputes. And the thing I hate more than anything else in the world is losing. Um, and I especially hate to lose when I'm right on the law and I'm right on the facts and the judge just doesn't want to hear it. And so one of the things I've discovered is I use the motion Kickstarter and motion metrics tools on Lex Machina. And one of the funny things about that is, um, you know, the people at Lex Machina who I talk to always tell me, you know, your associates should use those to, to get a jumpstart on, on writing motions and doing the briefing. I find them to be too important to leave to other people to think about. I use them because what they do is they'll organize. Uh, I can go to my specific judge and a motion that I want to bring or a motion that I'm about to argue. And I can look at their decisions going one way or another, and it's all wrapped up in a, in a little bundle. I get the decision and I get all the briefing. And one of the things that allows me to do is I can very quickly click through and see what's really going on in these motions. What is the judge actually looking at and thinking about when deciding one way or another. And maybe it is applying the law to the facts, and maybe it's something else, um, because lots of times I do find it's something else. And so when I use those tools that way, 
I find I'm better prepared to to get to the judge in a way that the judge will listen. That's pretty profound. Um, thank you, Ron, and very powerful. Um, John, why don't you, um, why don't you maybe can you give us an example as well? Sure. Thanks, Josh. And you know, I certainly want to echo Ron's sentiment. You know, I I, I do use it for that as well. Um, another, I guess, primary use case I use for, you know, I, it's kind of odd. I'm an IP litigator. I also spend most of my time in federal court litigating patent cases. Um, I have an undergraduate degree in accounting, so I'm very much into the numbers of things. And I've found that over my career, lawyers, and I'm certainly no exception to that, are very bad at estimating things. I think we think we have a sense of what's going on in a particular court or with a particular judge. But what I found very valuable is using the Lex Machina tool to actually look inside the numbers, use the numbers to see what has actually happened. What is the likelihood of success on a particular motion? Am I better off making it, not making it? Also, timing for scheduling. You know, how long do these cases last? What percentage of them settle? What percentage of them don't? Because I find that by actually getting those numbers and getting the objective data, I'm in a better position strategically as I'm moving forward with a case or as I'm advising a client in terms of what best to do under a set of particular circumstances. Well, thanks, John. I, you know, I, I do think that's quite interesting in the sense that um, one of the values of legal analytics and, and is to have your hands on it directly. I think as both of you have spoken to, so especially when it comes to the numbers, right, you might might want to slice and dice it in different ways, right? Let me look at over the 10-year period. Look at over the three-year period. Let me look at over you know, the last six months, right? Let me um, let me slice and dice it this way. So do you find that you do lots of kind of iterations of um, different scenarios? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that speaks to the ease with which one can use the the Lex Machina tool. It's not something that you have to delegate to someone in a library or elsewhere to, to do the research and then get back to you. This is something that you can get in very quickly and very easily go through the various permutations you might have in your own mind and, and see how those results might change or how that might imp, imp, implicate the strategy you decide to roll out going forward. Good. Thank you. And, and Ron, you also mentioned um, when we spoke earlier about um, kind of winning business as well, and, and particularly around kind of cross-sell opportunities. Maybe you could talk about that for a moment. Sure. Um, you know, our our business development folks have all kinds of uh, resources that they use to to pull up information about um, our clients and and what they're doing and what they're doing in court and who might have needs in an area that that you know, we can serve that we're not already serving. Um, but what winds up happening is they sort of outsource that stuff to the library and the library sends something to them and they talk to me about it and I ask more questions and it has to go back to the library and it doesn't work very well. Um, I find that especially for, for those kinds of questions, um, you know, one came up yesterday. Um, a client of ours had an IPR filed against them and I, I could immediately, I didn't need it, and it was after hours, and I didn't need anybody. I could just click on a few things and get all kinds of information about um, the specific issue that came up, how it was related to other issues, what were the law firms that were already involved, what were ways that we might be able to help them. And at 8 o'clock last night, I got an email out to them um, about what the issue was and how we could help and didn't have to go through that process of 
you know, talking to BD or talking to the library and getting a report and having to ask questions about it. It's real time because I can I can click through it myself. Yeah. Well, having your fingertips, I, I get that, and that, that must be very powerful for the client to get that uh, from you right away um, that night. So that's excellent. Um, how about John? For you, do you do you use it also on that on that sort of getting clients use case as well? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you know what Ron just said, I've I've done on several occasions, and you know, I think it's very valuable. Yeah, it's great to get that information, and there probably in the past were ways to get it using library resources or otherwise, but the ability to do it yourself, the ability to do it after hours, to have a better sense of what it is, so when you do get the inevitable call from the client, you're in a better position to talk about it, as opposed to saying, well, yeah, I could take a closer look at that or talk to somebody this way you know, or even if you're on the phone with the client, you still have those results right up in front of you, and if the conversation takes a turn, you can easily, with a few clicks, investigate that additional option too. So it's just that real-time ability that's invaluable. Cool. Well, thanks. That does make a lot of sense. Um, Ron, just back to you for a minute. You, you talked about, I think it was pretty profound when you talked about, um, you know, really diving in um, to the motions and um, and to, to really understand the judge. Um, could you, because we went into that kind of quickly, could you talk about, about that a little bit more? Sure. Um, you know, I, you know, like I mentioned, I just, I hate to lose in those circumstances where I think I've got the law on my side. And what I like to do, because I, I see this happen and I hear it from judges. Um, you know, in fact, I, I had um, an issue a month or so ago with Chief Judge Stark in Delaware where we had made a motion um, under, there was a motion pending under Rule 32, the Rules of Civil Procedure about whether or not we could play a video deposition. And at the end of the day, he said he didn't care whether the rule applied. He was going to do what he thought was fair. He actually said that in his opinion. And so the more time I can spend, or actually the less time I can spend, figuring out the judge's sense of fairness on issues like the one I'm dealing with, um, the, the more likely it is that I can walk into court and be persuasive. I can figure out, you know, on these types of motions, what's, what's really going on in the case? Who is on, you know, who's on the moral high ground? Who's on the ethical high ground? Um, and is that more important to the judge than the specific rule that's being applied? Because oftentimes it is. A lot of judges, they just, they have an, their own sense for what's right. And then they're going to backfill their opinions with, legal reasoning to get them to the result that they want to get at. And if you just read the opinions, if you just do a Westlaw search, you'll never figure that stuff out. You need a way to get deeper. And so the way I do that is I, I use the tools on Lex Machina that, that I had mentioned before, the, the Kickstarter and the motion metrics, because it bundles the things up for me. I can see the opinion, and then I can very quickly get to the briefs and, and see what the real story is. And lots of times I don't have to read the whole brief because I usually know what the rule is. I just look at the intros so I can see what the, you know, what the setting is, um, what people are really complaining about. Excellent. Well, thank you for, for doing that a little more in depth. I think that would be really uh, interesting for folks. Um, 
I want to turn over to Sona now for a moment. I mean, no one likes to, um, uh, you know, pay money and buy um, any kind of technology, especially, uh, you know, legal software, um, and, and then have it sort of sit on the shelf and feel like they didn't get, you know, the firm didn't get value from it. Um, Sona, maybe you can talk about, um, you know, some of the ways that kind of you work with firms and what you've seen um, to, to really help, um, you know, what's led firms to be successful. Uh, sure. Um, so from the customer success role, I mean, really our job or our role is to really help, help our customers, you know, maximize the value of analytics. And we do that in a variety of ways, you know, by sharing best practices, um, you know, teaching all the different groups within a firm or within the organization, you know, business development, research, attorneys, you know, litigators, how to use it based on, you know, their primary use cases and, and needs, and, and just, you know, really providing, you know, onboarding and then also ongoing support um, to, to make sure that analytics gets integrated into the, the firm's processes and, and, you know, helps them to make better decisions. And, it, you know, it's, it's really kind of a you know, a lot of my customers will even say that, or firms will say it's, it's really a three-legged school. You know, there's the business development aspect of using data, you know, crafting the winning litigation strategies, you know, that Ron and John have kind of, you know, kind of talked already about, and, and really business intelligence, you know, just kind of understanding what's happening in the litigation landscape, you know, what's, you know, what's happening to clients and their firms, and just being able to sort of proactively anticipate that and, you know, use that to, you know, from the business um, perspective and, uh, you know, to understand that competition. So, you know, what I see is it really, you know, I think when the value gets maximized is really when you have, um, you know, all three um, aspects of the, the data working together and, and, you know, using that to sort of drive um, the firm's um, decisions and, you know, profitability. It's, it's really a combination of all three of those. That's really where we see um, the best integration of analytics on an ongoing basis and, you know, having it really impact um, the, firm's, the firm's business and, and, and you know, to um, solve problems. And what maybe could you talk about, you know, one or two use cases that you've seen maybe recently where, um, you know, firms have, have kind of used legal analytics to to, to get a lot of value? Sure. Um, you know, I was just uh, recently working with a, a new, with a chief marketing marketing officer of a small firm that's headquartered here in Southern California, who's a new customer, and she was working um, on a pitch for a patent case in Delaware. And the partner she was working with, you know, thought that uh, you know the time to Markman was a year in Delaware. You know, in less than one or two minutes on Lex Machina, we pulled up the timing and we could see that it's it's you know a year and a half. So. You know, as Ron said, you know, sometimes um, lawyers are bad at, or I think it was John said, lawyers are bad at estimating things. And, you know, in this case, he was wrong with his estimates. So, you know, I think having access um, to that comprehensive and accurate data set, you know, she thought that was going to be really critical for improving the quality of their pitches, you know, and effectively competing um, with larger, you know, more, well, more well-known firms. Um, you know, and just back to that motion metrics, I mean, I hear that all the, the time. Um, you know, when I'm working with partners, you know, when we take a look at those summary judgment statistics, you know, you know, the partners, I mean, I had a partner recently who said, you know, the grant rate was not what she expe expected based on her, her experience um, with that particular judge. And, you know, she thought that those, um, those statistics would be valuable in forming her settlement analysis. And, and I just hear that over and over 
um, when you know partners or when litigators are looking at at those data and those analytics for judges, um, the data isn't what they expected. And you know, I had one IP chair say to me, "It's actual data, not anecdata. data." Uh, but it's taking that and then using that to to help them win. I mean, that's what that's that's when they get the value out of the analytics and, and when it makes a difference to their to them. And do you see firms generally? Adopting kind of in silos, like one group first, another group after, or, or is it is it better when you have multiple groups using it? What have you seen there? It it really depends on the firm. I mean, firms are so different in their um, in their culture and and their processes. So you know, what I try to do is just work within the firm. You know, it always helps if you can do that at sort of a higher executive level, or you know, if you have those internal advocates and champions, but to work with them to figure out um, what is going to be the best method um, for um, you know, for that specific firm in terms of integrating legal analytics and, and understanding it. So, you know, for more sophisticated firms or firms who have been used to using data, you know, it's going to be a different process from a firm who, who doesn't have as much um, proficiency or is kind of new to data. Um, you're going to have to start at kind of a, a more basic level and build up. But I, I, I think, you know, generally um, it, it's not the timing of when these groups get integrated or how they get integrated, but you reach all three areas. I mean, that's what really drives um, – you know, kind of maximum value, in my opinion. Yeah. And for Ron and John, I mean, do you, I mean, I'm, where there's sort of big debates within your firms about some people saying, hey, this this all sounds good, but are we really going to get value from it? I doubt it. Or, you know, or, or were there, uh, you know, sort of skeptics and and uh, any any insight on how those conversations go <laughs> within a firm? Yeah, sure. This is Ron. Um, you know, I um, I spent some time um, with our CFO, um, figuring out how to budget this and, and what the value would likely be when we signed up. And, um, you know, my, my pitch to him, because I did want to sign up, was really two-part. One is, you know, everyone's concerned about legal project management and how to do more with less. And the quicker you can get to write the correct answer, um, the more you can do for a client in a given day. And LexMac kind of helps us do that, and we can demonstrate to that, that to our clients. Uh, the other thing is, you know, especially in, in the space that John and I are working in, um, you know, winning one piece of business can be huge. Um, winning one piece of business can dwarf the licensing fees. Um, and so it it doesn't seem expensive when you put it in those terms. One other thing I might add is um, yeah, one way it's turned out to be valuable to us is um, there's one client we work with where the general counsel is really a hawk for probability analysis. Um, he wants to know the expected value of everything. Uh, and he's always looking at probabilities for determining, you know, I heard Sona say this for settlement offers and um, to advise his board of directors uh, what the potential risks are in a, in a given piece of IP litigation. And I use Lex Machina to do that directly for him. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to necessarily say, you know, I think this is a 75% or I think this is a 33%. But if I can go and say, you know, the judge were in front of grant summary judgment, you know, 20% of the time, he can take that number and run with it. And it's something objective that he can 
use to inform his board. And because we can do that, he calls us more often. And because he calls us more often, we do more work for that client. And that work is worth more than what it costs us in subscription fees. So at the end of the day, the sell wasn't really that hard for us. Um, it just seemed to make sense. Um, good. Well, thanks. I, I think that you know, I think we we do hear sort of stories more and more of, of in-house folks who are sort of doing some of that kind of probability work, that, you know, analysis. And it sounds like that the, the particular one you mentioned is is uh, is big on that. So um, that's great. The um, by the way, we're going to move to questions in about. Um, four minutes. We try to keep these uh, webcasts sort of concise and be respectful of people's time. So if you do have questions, feel free to type them in now, um, and we will try to uh, work those in. Um, John, any any comment on that last question? Um, yeah, yeah, I think my experience was, was somewhat consistent with Ron's. It may have been a bit more of a challenge. You know, I think in these days in this market, you know, certainly our firm is is looking to do more with less and. You know, I think there's a lot of requests for additional spend and, and great promises that, you know, if we invest in this tool or this um, new software, it'll have this return. And, you know, I think that's not always the case historically. So I think folks are skeptical. But in this instance, you know, I found great value in the, the various um, demo webinars that, that myself and, and others at the firm, those folks that would actually be using the tool experience, you know, I think – that was a true way we got to see just how easy it was, just how powerful the data was, and we were able to see the use cases in our own, um, you know, own practices and, you know, the real-time type stuff that's really invaluable and there's no other options. And I think it was was us, you know, the actual people that would be using it, pushing firm leadership and say, hey, you know, we know this is expensive, but, but it looks like it's worth it. Let's give it a shot. And I think overwhelmingly, that's what, what pushed it through ultimately. And, you know, I think we've been very pleased thus far with our subscription. Right. Um, before we move on to questions, Sona, if you had kind of three points to make to um, our listeners today um, on how to get value from legal analytics, what, what would you recommend that they do? Um, I, you know, I think it really, you know, I think it has to become kind of part of the, the firm culture, and I think there has to be sort of a, a commitment or a buy-in or agreement from, you know, all, all the different, you know, org groups within a firm. So, you know, with attorneys, you know, with business development, you know, at the executive level. And I think, you know, those like John and Ron who kind of see the value of the analytics, um, you know, really kind of need to help those who maybe don't immediately get it, um, who, who don't understand the use cases and, 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 you know, customer success can help with that, right, to, to help them understand those use cases and to, to use it so they can make um, better decisions. And so that's, I think, where, you know, customer success really has an important role to play in, in helping build adoption in those groups you know, who may not initially be as comfortable with data and, and to, and to you know, drive that adoption throughout the, the organization. But I'm really seeing that, you know, firms that have, um, that kind of foster a, a deeper understanding of statistics and data analysis to, to solve problems, I mean, I think those are the firms that are going to have the, the best opportunity um, to succeed in the long run, you know, because now we're seeing where we're kind of past that early adoption phase where the people who intuitively understood analytics, you know, were using it. Um, now we're seeing, you know, that it's becoming more common um, in firms. So I think the really interesting thing to, to watch will be how firms um, will continue to innovate and find innovative ways to, to leverage the analytics and the data um, and to differentiate themselves from other firms who are also using 
data. And I think we're already starting to see that with some of you know, our customers um, where they're you know, marrying their own internal data to Lex Machina's data um, to, you know, to either validate or improve the data that they're already working with um, and to you know, integrate that into things like pitch tools um, to give them a stronger competitive advantage. Um, so I think you know, the, the key things are, are to kind of you know, have it permeate throughout the firm to have that internal executive top-level buy-in, you know, to have people like, you know, John and Ron kind of supporting it and promoting it within the firm, and then, you know, to have um, customer success working hand-in-hand with the firms um, to really drive that widespread adoption between all the groups who can benefit from, from analytics. Great. Thank you. So we just have a, about a little less than five minutes left. Um, we have a couple questions here. This is, this is not meant, this whole series is really not meant to be a sales pitch, but someone did ask, how is it licensed, and what's the minimum time period you buy a license for? So I'll just answer that it's really by the benefiting group, really the size of the group, a particular practice, or the whole firm, and um, and one year is sort of is the, is the minimum. So just to answer that question, um, the next one is uh, is it possible to get a trial of the software, and how much training does it take to learn? So um, as as John said, we will do lots of and lots of demos. So Again, it's not a sales pitch, but you can email sales at lexmachina.com and um, to, to get a demo. But as far as that training question goes, for, for Ron and for John, I mean, what was your experience? Is this something that takes months and months and months to sort of pick up and learn, or, or do you sort of learn it relatively quickly once you're able to sort of sit and focus on it, or what, what was your experience? Yeah, well, this is Ron. Um, my experience was kind of funny because we had someone come out to do training sessions here at Nutter uh, a couple of times, and as is typical of litigators, I was always on the road. Um, I was never able to participate in a session. Um, and so, I mean, I just started using it. I just started clicking on stuff, and I found it to be intuitive enough that I was getting everywhere I wanted to go, um, and I'm kind of like that. I was an early Apple adopter. I don't, I don't want a manual. I just want to click on it, um, and so that worked out just fine for me. I actually recently had a train, a one-on-one training through a webinar, uh, and figured out how to do a couple of additional things that I didn't know I could do, but um, I just picked it up and, and started working with it. Good. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll pass it on to our product guy. <laughs> that's good. that's mm-hmm. good to hear. How about John? How about for you? How, how long did it take? Yeah, I had a different experience, but I think the result was the same. I had two webinar demos, you know, just watching someone else click through it. I also sat through the in-person training. But, you know, frankly, I think the tool is just so intuitive. Basically, it's a bunch of checking the boxes, you know, for the, the main screen. There's certainly the, the separate apps that, that are more pointed. But, you know, I find it very intuitive and very easy to use. And, you know, others at, at my firm who, who may or may not have the demos that I had or may or may not have attended the, the training, you know, I haven't heard any issues from anyone saying, hey, you know, I can't figure this out. It's too complicated. So, you know, I think that's a really a, a testament to, to the value of the tool and, and the fact that it's very well done. And, you know, certainly the data and the outcomes are great, but the fact that it's easy to use, ultimately that probably is what carries the day because if something's not easy to use, it's it's just not going to be used. I mean, that's the, the fact of the matter. Good. Well, thank you. Um, I want to um, thank uh, both Ron and John for the time. We know you're both very busy litigators um, and uh, in, in prepping for this, know that you both had a very busy years, which is a, a good problem to have as, a, as an attorney. Um, but you both are very busy, so we really appreciate you taking the time today to, to share some of your, your own experiences um, 
with uh, with our assembled uh, folks here. And um, and so before I wrap up, I want to just mention that we will be having the sixth uh, in this Future of Law webcast series on October 5th. And um, this is, I think, a particularly timely one. I know we have a lot of folks um, who work in, uh, work in library, work in knowledge management um, on this webcast as well. And we all know this is budget season, so we hear lots of stories, you know, from our end um, about folks, you know, working in, on their budgets and, and trying to get legal analytics in there and having, you know, various debates in their firms, as we've heard a little bit of detail today. So um, we have uh, both Gino Grady and Greg Lambert, very lucky to have both of them super well-known folks um, to talk about uh, their experience and best practices, and how do they use analytic? How they use analytics to buy analytics, essentially, and um, and how they, you know, their experience in kind of getting what you want from your legal tech budget. So that should be very timely and interesting. We hope to talk to you then. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, John. Thank you, Sona, and thanks all uh, for listening. <laughs>